0: We all remember being young and skipping school, pretending to be sick and getting excited to watch Jerry Springer or Maury or any other cringy daytime talk show with drama. But before this, there was the Jenny Jones show, a show that led to a murder. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. And guess what? Today, you are not the father. these ways, would you choose to reveal your secret crush on someone? A, would you write that person a letter? B, would you tell the person in private in case he rejects you? Or C, would you tell that person that you're gay and you hope he is on national television? <laughs> 32-year-old Scott Amador was killed after receiving two shotgun blasts to the chest. The alleged perpetrator of this vicious crime was an acquaintance of his, 24-year-old Jonathan Schmitz, Hey guys, welcome back. My name's Thina. And my name's Kylie. And we are Cryptic Soup Pod. We CSP. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing for that. Yep. <laughs> um, how was your Halloween? Oh, whoa. <laughs> yep. They're they've they've had Halloween so far. They've had Halloween. Yeah, we haven't, but you have. I'm not saying like we're on different time zones. I meant we're recording before Halloween. You'll hear this after Halloween. It's November. Wow. Time to be thankful. And you know what you guys are going to be thankful for? (laughs) The giveaway. The giveaway? (laughs) Yeah. Next episode, we'll announce more about it and we'll talk about it. But November, we'll be having a Thanksgiving. Thanks for listening giveaway. So to get you in that thankful spirit. So thankful. You know what I'm thankful for? What food are you thankful for it? Thanksgiving. Soup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Soup. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got excited and I didn't listen to the rest of the question. No, you, it's totally good. I what, liked it. What food Ooh. am I excited for at Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah like what's um, your Thanksgiving jam? Okay, so you're going to think it's gross, but my family has we don't use the uh, the turkey to stuff stuffing. Like, we've never done that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. So we make ours with a fuck ton of butter, mm-hmm. but then we also use, um like, onions and celery and mushrooms. Okay. And it's so good. Also, um, I'm a huge fan of everything sweet. So sweet potato casserole? Ew, no, I hate that. Oh. Pumpkin pie. Oh, okay. Like, I can't do... I don't know what it is about sweet potato pie, but it's not pumpkin pie. Sweet potato casserole, or oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. I um, also love corn casserole. Okay, yeah, good. Um, I'm a big slut for the mashed potatoes. Obviously, um, everybody loves good taters. I don't like cranberries, so I don't like any of that shit. Uh, I do like that. I don't. Okay, so I, usually I kind of just have like a roll and some mashed potatoes when I go places, because. Uh, that's because it. stuffing is stuffed in birds. Stuffing is bird. Yeah. Uh, meat is meat. Um, green bean casserole has mushrooms in it. I don't really <laughs> eat a ton of Thanksgiving meals. That's not really my thing. For the past um, two Thanksgivings, I have ordered a pizza the day before Thanksgiving and then eat the leftovers. So you have <laughs> potatoes, rolls, pumpkin pie and pizza. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> I'm not the most traditional person. Let's be real. <laughs> I'm going to find a vegetarian turkey. Well, oh, actually, Walmart has phenomenal tofurkey loaves and mm-hmm. they're like stuffed with cranberries and stuffing, which sounds like I wouldn't like it, but they're really incredible. And I wanted to remind myself if I liked them or not. So Margie and I, when you guys were gone in Virginia. Yep. Not Vermont. <laughs> When you guys were there, we made one to like, so you could try it for the first time ever. Yeah, it's still really good. So interesting. So yeah, tell us your guys' Thanksgiving foods and stuff. See, we get mixed reviews. Some people said, I love when you guys talk to us at the beginning. Other people said, I hate the chitter chatter at the beginning. But it seemed like we got more chitter chatters and less hate of the chitter chatters. So I'm trying to trying to do the in between and give you guys a little chitter chatter and get to know us as we get to know you. And uh, then we jump into the case. So. If you hate it, you keep telling us. Maybe we'll stop doing it. Doubt it, but we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> right. We'll try. Okay. So tonight's case is the Scott Amadur and Jonathan Schmidt's Jenny Jones show murder case from the 90s. Can you say that? Like. Five times fast. Scott Amader and Jonathan Schmitz and Jenny Jones on murder. Scott Amader and Jonathan Schmitz and Jenny Jones on murder. Scott Amader Jonathan Justin and Jenny Jones on murder. Scott Amader and Jonathan Schmitz and Jenny Jones nah, on murder. Scott Amader Jonathan Schmitz. Nah, you fucked the last one up. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at it though. I, I was staring at you. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Ooh. Yeah, I try. Okay, so this this case, if you were a '90s kid, you might already know it. You kind of already know who Jenny Jones is, but it's a very um homosexually charged case um, because it does have to do with two men and because there is a stupid plot twist type thing that they tried to do in court that didn't hold up. So let's get the ball rolling and let's talk about it. The Jenny Jones show was a very popular daytime talk show hosted in the 90s. It had viewers tuning in daily to listen to people spill their secrets, talk about the crazy lives, um, talk about their crazy teenage children, parenthood tests, makeovers, any drama in between. It's literally like any other one that you can remember, except for this host was Jenny Jones. In 1995, there was an episode titled "Same Sex Secret Crushes." So we we already know what this is entailing. However. The people that were on it did not know what they were going to be on, what the episode theme was. Okay, so that's very important going forward. And what happened was they would get these guests on there and they would have a bombshell get dropped on them like most of those shows do. However, this bombshell from this specific one that we're going to talk about today led to a full blown murder. So let's start by talking about who Jenny Jones is and how the show came to be. And then we'll talk about the episode and then we'll talk about the murder We'll kind of go in like a sequential order, but so Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones was actually born Jaina Stronsky on June that's 7th. That's Jaina? Janina? Janina? I saw someone, I heard someone else say it, Jaina. <laughs> Sounds like vagina. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I've heard someone say it, Jaina. So that's why I assumed it was Jaina. Okay. It's spelled J-A-N-I-N-A. Because so. if I said that, how I would think, I would say Janina. I would say, I wouldn't put the French in it, but I would say Janina. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Janina. Like vagina. (laughs) Janina. Vagina. Vagina. Janina. Okay. Vegeta. (laughs) It took me a minute. I got there. Stronsky. (laughs) Um, She was born on June 7th, 1946. She's a Gemini. She shares a birthday. I had to put two because this is a a weird day. Prince and Michael Sarah. I feel like that's a weird combo. Yes, it is. That's also National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. Do you like chocolate ice cream? I fucking hate chocolate. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I hate chocolate so much. It's so nasty. Moving on. (laughs) Someone came for me in our last. Well, it's not our last episode now, but in our one of our in the archive episodes can't tell you which one but it's in there in the archives <laughs> i talk about banana milk oh my gosh someone from overseas thought i meant like laffy taffy artificial banana flavored milk and they were like you're disgusting <laughs> that's the grossest thing i've ever heard no like it's actual bananas mashed up into milk it tastes like like a smoothie almost in- into milk yeah like it's a milk in a sense <laughs> it's the milk of the the oh are you mean by the way i said milk he <laughs> said it so many times too <laughs> yeah you did um anyways it's real bananas assholes i can't even remember who said it but fuck you we're still friends but we go fuck off all right she was born in bethlehem she moved with her family to italy from there and they moved over to canada and in 1948, they stayed in Canada, and that's where they started raising vagina. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. That was rude. J- Janina. 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 I'm almost positive it's Janina. 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 Without the friends. Janina. <laughs> Janina. Okay. Okay. Um, her family said she was a rebellious teenager who eventually dropped out of high school After that, she left home at the age of 17 to become a drummer in a rock band. Sounds great. Like, she sounds fucking awesome up to this point. Right? Three years later, uh, the Stronsky girl changed her name to Jenny Jones. So now you can say it. (laughs) I'm I'm over trying to say the name. (laughs) She changed her name to Jenny Jones, and she founded an all-female band of her own called Jenny Jones and the Cover Girls. How do you feel about alliteration names like Jenny Jones or... I don't like Jenny Jones, but I like alliteration names. I was trying to think of what case we had that had alliteration names. We just had one not that long ago. Yeah, we did. Nick Knickerbocker and Diane Downs. Yep, that's what it was. Yep. Okay. So the first major break they had was when they were selected to fill in for Wayne Newton's backup singers. And so Jenny Jones and the cover girls got got a little bit of a star star moment there. That led to them becoming a backup singer, office manager, and vocal arranger for Wayne Newton himself. I can't name anything Wayne Newton has sang, though. Nope. Like, I know he's famous. The name rings well, but I can't I can't tell you a bop by him. Same. While on stage with her own band, Jenny Jones had started to realize that her love for stage was actually like she liked being a comedian on stage. She liked to. Fill the spaces between songs with humor and jokes and popular things to talk about and like banter and stuff. So she was thinking maybe, maybe music's not the way she wants to go. So she continued her career to stardom and she had a few television appearances as contestants for different shows, such as she was on The Price Is Right in 1979. She was on a show called Match Game in 1981, which is a game show that features contestants trying to match answers. By celebrity panelists to fill in the blank questions. I feel like I know that. I, that one sounds really familiar. Like but, I can't think of it. Like I can't put. But can't. it's just something like yeah. a fever dream almost. But yes. it's Yes. Yeah. Press Your Luck was her next one in 1985, which is a cute title. I think that one contestants try to answer trivia questions. The trivia answers correctly to collect spends on a game board where they'll win cash and prizes unless they land on Whammy, which takes away all your players' loot. The contestant with the most accumulated cash and prizes at the end of the show is the winner. So it's like Wheel of Fortune without spelling things. It's like Wheel of Fortune without spelling meets... uh, Jeopardy. Christmas Elephant, whatever that game is, like White Elephant or whatever. Because you're stealing from other players, too. Oh. you So it's like Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, and a White Elephant gift. Yeah. All into one. Although, you know, what is the world's best game show that's ever been? A- it's not a game show. It's more like a reality game show. I'm going to really age myself here, but it's the best. What's that show. temple one? that was? <laughs> that's literally what I'm say is, that- like, is the Nickelodeon Temple show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I freaking love that show. They were going to bring it back and then nothing happened. I wonder if it was like COVID related, but they were going to bring it back. It is called Legends of the Hidden Temple. Yeah, that is. The all time best game show. Absolutely. Um, There's also one that's like sweepstakes market or something where you go shopping. Yes, I love that one. (laughs) love that one. That's a guilty pleasure. And you have to like, you're like, oh, this is like four dollars. Yeah. And yeah, you had to you had to get close to it with the full like total would have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's on it's on Netflix or something. And I binge watch it when I'm sick. (laughs) Yeah. So she was on a lot of things. Her last thing that she was on was actually a talent search. In 1980, she was on Star Search. Once she was on Star Search, she ended up winning the comedy grand prize. It was a hundred thousand dollar check. That's that's up there. That's a lot of money for this time because that's still the 1980s. Yeah, that's so much money. After her Star Search experience, Jenny Jones worked in a bunch of different large comedy venues across the U.S., and she even opened or worked with a lot of popular singers and entertainers. She developed an innovative comedy show for women only called Girls' Night Out. As a result of all this exposure, Jenny Jones came to the att- came to the attention of an executive at Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers then offered her an opportunity to host her own daytime television show. And that's when the Jenny Jones show had its debut. So in September of 1991... The Jenny Jones Show was produced by Telepictures and taped in Chicago at WMAQ-TV studios. The show ends up running all the way until 2003. By the way, can we talk just for a second? Oh, no. Can we talk about? What did I say? Well, what did I say? Weird. What? No, you didn't say anything weird. Oh, okay. But can we talk about how English says debut and spells it? Where's that? Oh, deb... Oh, it's debuted. <laughs> Huh. like why well you know the english language <laughs> actually that's funny you brought that up because when i was writing the outline today i make a joke in the welcome to cryptic soup that you have to pronounce and it's funny i'm making fun of the english language so that's funny that you brought that up that's weird i make you make a joke and see if you can solve your own joke while reading it great <laughs> <laughs> can't wait it'll be fun jenny had an extensive list of relationships over the years there's a lot more that I'm not getting to, but her first big one was Jack Howard poster, who Jenny married in 1969. Guess what also happened that year? My mom was born. We also went to the moon. Oh. Christy Carlson and her mono taught us that. And even Stephen Influenza episode, we went to the moon in 1969, and 1968, not 1970. Okay. <laughs> See, I have a reason why I know all this stupid information, guys. Okay. <laughs> you just watch TV all the time. <laughs> yes. Uh, The marriage was annulled in 1970, so it didn't even last a full year. In 1970 through 1972, she married and divorced Al Gambino, who was a comedian. Sounds kind of like an Italian mobster. Yeah, a little bit. I like it. Next, she married and divorced Buzz Wilburn, a record marketing executive, and that was from 1973 to 1980. And then currently she is still presumed to be dating or married to Dennis McCallion, who's a film location manager. Interesting. So. I want to talk that that's that's a lot of history on Jenny. We're going to have to talk about the episode, obviously, because that's what this is getting to. But I can't figure a good way to talk about Scott and Jonathan without just real quick being like, hey, let's meet them and then throw them on the show. So I'm just going to pretend that we didn't just spend 27 years talking about Jenny. We're going to talk about the next person. And then I'm going to do this same weird, awkward transition when we talk about the next one. So let's do Scott next. Scott Bernard Amadeur was born January 26th, 1963. He's an Aquarius. He shares a birthday with Elijah Wood. And that's National Blueberry Pancake Day. Mm. Second best type of pancake flavor. What's the first? Cheesecake. No, it, yeah. What what is it then? I don't. i so I am not a huge fan of pancakes. I'm a French toastie. I'm a waffles. Oh, yeah. Okay. I love pecan waffles. Pecan, pecan, pecan. Yeah, you from the south? <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up something else. Pecan <laughs> waffles. That's some pecan pie. <laughs> One day we were pronouncing <laughs> words around the house and it came time to say pecan pie. And I pecan said, pie. I said, pecan pie. And everyone in the room went dead silent and oh just stared God. at me. And no, that I know I That was it when weird. we were going. Th- we were literally going through a list of words, of that, words different that are places, weird. Yeah. Different, like Southerns versus Northerns say different words. And pecan pie was the winner. Some of them were really weird, too. I wish. We I should- can't remember. We'll we should do, that do that for like a fun day. <laughs> yeah. We we'll should have a it. full fun like trivia, get to know us type thing, and we'll we'll tell you guys some weird shit. <laughs> but what I was gonna say was the whole shares birthday with Elijah Wood. I gotta tell you, you know how some things just like they have a chokehold on your life more than yeah. anything. Yeah. For me, it. <laughs> I can't even like talk about this in a straight face. <laughs> Is that TikTok sound? where it's the under the sea music playing, where it's like, do you wear wigs? No, I do not. Have you worn wigs? No, I do not. Beautiful man, a beautiful man, you must wear wigs. <laughs> it's <a luxury. laughs> oh, What are you talking <laughs> about? Do you really not know? No, I really don't oh know. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I have to play this, guys. <laughs> I don't care if Corey cuts it or if this is a real moment, but... This might be my favorite thing the internet's ever produced. Is the do you wear? Oh god, it's in my search history. Do you wear wigs? No, I do not. Have you worn wigs? No, I have not. You are a beautiful I'm man, not. a beautiful <laughs> man. Will you wear wigs? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. When will you wear wigs? <laughs> <laughs> in the photo shoots you do, do you wear wigs? Your head. Hair- we have very different for you pages. <laughs> that's mentally ill TikTok. Oh, well, I'm in that one too. Um. Yikes. Um, yeah, the Elijah Wood, do you wear wigs under the sea? Has a chokehold on my body. And I sing that in my head just like all the time. <laughs> I mean, you might be a little weird. So that's who I am. I guess we should move on. Yeah, maybe. <clears throat> Scott is who we're talking about at this point. So Scott's born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He had a father named Frank Amadure. He was a semi-driver and his mother was Patricia. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I said it with such gusto. You <laughs> <laughs> Patri- I don't even... Patricia. Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to say Patricia. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I got William in my head. So Patricia and Frank amateur (laughs) Fuck. It's like the easy things are harder to pronounce than the hard ones. Oh, okay. So Patricia was his mother. She was a housewife. Scott had three brothers and one sister. In 1968, the family moved to Waterford, Michigan, and then two years later, Frank and Patricia were divorced. After his parents divorced, Scott and his siblings lived with his father. At age 17, he quit high school and joined the Army, where he acquired his GED and was trained in satellite communications. When he was assigned to Germany, he learned to ski, but he broke his leg while skiing in Switzerland. And then after three years, he received an honorable discharge with the rank of a specialist. Let's move on and learn a little bit real quick about Jonathan Schmitz. Jonathan Schmitz was born July 18th, 1970. He's a cancer. He shares a birthday with Vin Diesel, who seems like a cancer. That makes sense. And that is National Sour Candy Day. Mm. Good day. Good day. John is a lot harder to find information on. Everyone just said he was pretty much your average Joe. So. Mm. So essentially what happens is there is an episode that is about to be filmed so we are going to break down kind of the lead up to the episode the episode and then the escalation of the murder the and murder. The, and the trials and stuff so, <laughs> fucking shut up kylie <laughs> <laughs> sorry um i'm sorry for yelling at you um <laughs> no, <you're not. laughs> on march 6 1995 that was when the episode was going to be filmed in front of a live studio audience Because that's what we did back then. We used laugh tracks and we used live studio audiences. Those cards. Yeah. What is the worst laugh track TV show that you can think of? I know in my head. I don't know. A lot of people say it's Friends, but there is one show that I think is worse with laugh tracks because this show is so good, but I cannot watch it without being completely irritated the entire time I'm watching it and hating every moment of it, which sucks. It is The Ranch with the Ashton Ranch. Kutcher. The fact they use laugh tracks in that show ruined that show. It was such a good and funny show. It did not need laugh tracks. You want to know why? Why? Because Ashton Kutcher is the hottest and most beautiful oh, and okay. most comedic man ever to walk this earth. He's 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 all right. He's really he's, good in that one movie. He's my number one. It has such a long title. They meet and then they are at the airport and he says the thing about the ducks in a row and she's like in a line and he's like, well, they're whether they're in a line or a row. And then he sings John Bon Jovi a lot like love. That is a good Ashton Kutcher film. Why can't I think of a movie? It's so good. He sings John Bon Jovi. He plays guitar himself. I have to look it up. I definitely have seen this. It was a very long time ago. It's it's a very good film. It is. It is a good film. And they're in the car in the sunset Mm -hmm. or the sunrise, whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love him so much. (laughs) Sorry, moving on. (laughs) So this episode had 32-year-old Scott Amager and his friend Donna on it. Then Scott was going to reveal that he had a crush on his friend named Jonathan Schmitz. Because remember, it was about same sex couple, um, same sex secret crushes. Right. So Scott was going to reveal that he had a crush on his friend, Jonathan Schmitz, who is 24 years old and worked in a local restaurant called the Fox and the Hound. The three were all flown from Detroit to Chicago to tape the episode, which is funny because there's a restaurant in Chicago called the Fox and the Hound also. Maybe it's a franchise. Oh, maybe I don't think so but maybe the episode was about se- secret same-sex crush- crushes like I said but when I also earlier talked about how some people don't know that John did not know that okay so that makes sense yeah so like the the person that is getting the, the shock value is the person that doesn't know okay yeah okay we see where this is going mm-hmm. Scott admitted that he had a secret crush on John who lived near him in Lake Orion 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 what is that word I am almost positive it's is it Orion because that's isn't that same spelling as Orion's belt I'm almost well yes okay so like, but I don't think it's like Orion I oh. think it's like Orion Fuck. okay it's it's yeah it's there in Michigan it's over so here so Scott was a, a big fan of the Jenny Jones show and he loved watching it And that's part of a reason maybe why he wanted to be on it and like do this, this reveal. So John said the reason he participated in the show is due to curiosity. He claimed that when the producers like called him and asked him to be on this show, that they implied the secret admirer would be a woman who is calling and like that, that it's going to be a woman that has a a secret crush on him and that that's what he's finding out. Okay, Mm -hmm. knowing damn well, this is a secret same sex show. It was later said that the producers of the show claim they didn't tell John if the admirer was a male or female. He must have concluded that himself. But it is he said, she said. We don't know that one. John and Scott ends up being on the stage at the same point. But there was that other woman, the woman named Donna Riley, who's a mutual friend. So Donna lives in the apartment complex where John lives and Scott's brother, actually. So one day, John was fixing Donna's brakes. And Scott went to visit his brother. And so the two ended up meeting in the parking lot, John and Scott. This is before the show. This is how, like, it leads to the show. Donna was there as a buffer to explain how the two met on the show. She talks about that and to help maybe, like, I guess, like, trick John into thinking it was a woman because, like, how I sound really complicated, but I'm trying to explain this like after I've watched it in my mind. I think what they thought they were doing was being like, OK, John, come out on stage. You see a man and you see a woman sitting there and they're like, oh, who do you think has the crush on you? Because that's something Jenny says. She's just like, do you know who has a crush on you? Almost as if implying like it could have been Donna or mm-hmm. it could be the other person. But you would assume it'd be the girl because this is in the 90s. And why would a man have a crush on you? This is obviously Donna that does. But the open chair, because there's three chairs, it goes Donna and then it goes uh, Scott and then the empty chair. So Mm. John and Scott would be sitting next to each other. So in John's mind, he's like, no, I know this is going to be. You see where this is going. Yeah. So on the episode, which is available on YouTube, but it's never been officially aired because of what happens, obviously. Scott was being egged on while on stage. OK, so Scott and Donna are on stage. I'm describing and setting the scene for you guys here. Jenny is like, OK, tell us about how you know him. And, you know, they talk about that scene. And she's like, OK, tell us, um, do you do you have a crush on him? Is he pretty? What do you think about him? And then John's like, well, you or Scott's like, well, you know, like, I also think about him. And she's like, oh, what do you think about him? Do you have fantasies about him? And Scott's like, well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) kind of. And she's like, so what do you fantasize about him? And he said he imagines tying him up to a hammock using strawberries and whipped cream. But he can't say more than that because they're on TV. Like, oh, my gosh. And he's like all giggly and stuff. And like, you can tell for him, he's just kind of like, you know, like, I don't know. I have a crush on him. Yeah, like not thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. The entire time that Scott's doing this John's backstage with headphones on. So he can't hear what's happening and he can't see on stage. So he doesn't know what's being talked about. Right. So then Jenny's like, Donna, Scott, do you guys know if John's gay at all? And they both are like, we honestly have no idea. Like, it's not even like a no, he's not. And we're ambushing him. They're like, no, we we don't know. Like, it's he could be. He might not be. I don't know. Interesting. So. Then Jenny asks, so they uh, ask him to come out and he comes out. It is super, super, super awkward, right? (laughs) So what happens is Scott and John share this like side hug kind of. And like the smiles are really forced and fake. And it's super just. Cringy, like that's the only way to describe it. And you could tell the 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 side hugs are fake. And then everyone kind of like sits down. Scott ends up having to sit next to John because those are the only two spots open. So John and Scott are now next to each other and stuff. And then Johnny starts. I mean Johnny, Jenny, Jenny starts playing back the tapes of what was just said while he was backstage about the whipped cream and stuff and she's like did you know he has these fantasies about you oh my gosh and you can just see him getting more and more like anxious on stage his like body language he's very like closed up his smile looks super fake he looks super awkward and then the other guy is like kind of blushing and he looks super nervous and he's kind of like You can tell his his laughter. He's still laughing, but now it's almost like an awkward laughter. He's like, yeah, I said that. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a very different vibe once everyone's on the stage together. Okay, so Jenny reveals to Scott that the secret crush is John and John, you know, the whole thing and stuff. And then as a reply, John then is like, I'm completely heterosexual. Like there is there is nothing there. I'm completely heterosexual. And he's like super, super uncomfortable. He's smiling very forcefully. He's laughing uncontrollably. So then she makes jokes being like, did you think it was going to be Donna with the crush? You thought it was, but it wasn't. It isn't. He <laughs> and like egging the, the whole situation on. It's getting right. getting longer. The awkwardness is more visible. The audience is eating it up in the drama because Jenny's agitating the situation for views and the audience is like, oh, my God, this is so fucking awkward, you know? Mm hmm. So the show was supposed to be aired two weeks later. However, it never got aired because when the show was over, the three people flew home and things seemed normal, right? Then while walking through the parking lot, Donna, John, and Scott saw a broken construction light that was laying on the ground. All three people knew that John's car had a broken blinker. So Scott joked around, picked it up, saying this should be his new car blinker. So they thought things were normal because everyone's kind of just joking around and like being just average, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, then they left the airport and the friends went to Brewski's bar and started hanging out. During that night, John called his dad and said something along the lines of, yeah, that thing in Chicago didn't work out. Actually, it was actually a guy. So Alan Schmitz, which is John's dad, was upset when he heard this. And supposedly he threw a chair and yelled. And I'm, I'm quoting. Keep in mind, guys, those gay faggots. And that's it. He yelled that over the phone cuz he's pissed, right? And that's what you yell when you're pissed apparently. So this also sets the tone for maybe why Jonathan has like this homophobic feeling when we know that's how his dad addressed the situation because remember that's who raised him. So, you know, this whole story is based off gay slander, homosexuality humiliation type thing and that that's who raised him. So, I mean, Keep that in mind. Nurture versus nature type stuff. So then everyone went back to Donna's apartment. Um, John, Donna and Scott did. And there are different stories at this point saying that the two men actually danced together that night and kissed, showing visible signs of affection while drunk. But we don't know because Donna says that didn't happen. But then other people are like, no, 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 that did. And we don't all know who was there that night. So three days after the show, Scott left a sexual note with the flashing construction light in John's doorway for him to find. The note said something along the lines of, you know you have the tool to turn this off. After finding this note, John was very upset, but he gathered himself long enough to go to the bank, where he withdrew some cash. He headed to the Tom's Hardware store in town. At the store, he talked to the saleswoman named Dolores Dunlap, Another alliteration for Man. you. Man. <laughs> and Dolores said John seemed very cool, calm, and collected, and very polite. There at the hardware store, he purchased a 12-gauge shotgun with the cash he just took up. John then drove over to Scott's mobile home in Orion Township. He knocked on the door. There was a discussion about the note that was partially overheard by Scott's roommate named Gary Brady. Then John at one point states that he needs to go turn the car off. And what actually happened was he went back to his car and he brought the gun back up to the house with him and he like held it at his side. Scott was still in the doorway. John approached with the gun. Scott said, Gary, help. He has a gun. Scott started to back away from the door, grabbing a wicker chair to hold in front of him to try to block himself off. But before Gary could even react, John fired the gun twice into Scott's chest. Dang. Gary said Scott fell to the floor and started wheezing. Smoke was coming off of his lungs. Blood was pouring out from multiple chest wounds, multiple chest wounds pouring onto the floor. While waiting for the ambulance to arrive, he was just there on the ground. Detectives, police, and ambulances showed up. They started closing off the crime scene. Scott's body was wheeled out on a stretcher, covered up while onlookers gathered. And there are lots of photos of that on the internet. I don't suggest looking at them. I'm not even going to put them on the Instagram because it's incredibly sad. But I mean, I guess if you are that um, kind of person and you need that concrete proof to see, you can find that. Scott's brother ended up driving over to the home to see if the things he was hearing were true. The police and detectives were advising that all the family get a lawyer because this would become a media circus. While Scott's body was being taken out of the home, John had went to a payphone at a gas station to make a phone call. Here was the conversation between him and Mary Jones, who was the 911 operator that day. Do you want to be John or the 911? 911. Okay. I'm John. I think I just shot a man. Okay. I'm just turning myself in. Okay. Can you tell me what happened? I just walked in and I, I fucking killed him. I just want you to try to relax. Can you take a deep breath for me? I know you're upset, okay? We're going to help you through. I mean, though. <laughs> We're going to help you, though. That's it. That was that was the 911 call. And I mean, John was breathing heavily about it, and it sounded like he was hysterical, so I guess I should have done better, whatever. But he was just um, out of breath <laughs> and uh, on the verge of a panic attack is what the 911 operator later claims it sounded like. So the murder was a big deal, but then the murder trial became another big deal because now they have to throw in the concept of the Jenny Jones show itself, right? So while the murder trial was going on, there was witnesses, taped testimonials, and transcripts that were all read aloud. Here's what we learned was presented as the story in court, though. A friend of Scott's said that Scott and John went out drinking together the night after the taping, and there was an alleged sexual encounter that occurred. Okay. So we know the whole original story about the kissing thing, but now in court, this is how it's being presented. Another document said three days after the taping, Scott left the suggestive note at John's house. And after finding the note, John withdrew the money from a bank, purchased the shotgun, went to Scott's mobile home. John asked Scott if he was the one that left the note. Scott responded by simply smiling. So John returned to his car, got his gun, walked up to Scott's trailer, shot him twice in the chest and killed him. After killing Scott, John left the residence, telephoned 911, confessed to the killing. During the call, at some point, John is asked why he shot Scott, to which he replies, because he played a very fucking bad thing on me. He took me on Jenny Jones. Yikes. So that obviously is why we have to talk about the Jenny Jones, right? Okay. So the defense brings up the phone call and mentions that Due to how hysterical John was, he doesn't seem like a murderer because he felt remorse because he's hysterical, right? He's upset. They repeatedly say in the defense of John that he was he was a shooter, but he's not a murderer. That fucking sentence. What? OK. He had no ill intent and it was brought on by situations. He's not some hardened criminal looking to go out and murder someone. Which, OK. OK. That one sentence, the last part of that, I understand what they are trying to portray with that ending of that sentence, but they didn't with the first two halves of it. Right. They, they fucked themselves over by they just they word vomited in the wrong way. The defense attorneys argued that John was having a mental break due to being recently diagnosed with manic depression and Graves disease. There was statements about his father being abusive and that John was suicidal recently. These issues mixed with the humiliation that he endured caused him to murder. This is considered the gay panic defense. The gay panic defense is a real thing, and it is also sometimes called the homosexual advance defense. It's a legal strategy in which defendants claim to have acted in a state of violent, temporary insanity by committing assault or murder because of unwanted same sex sexual advances. And this is a real thing you can plead in court if you harm someone. Due to the fact that they are openly homosexual in some sort of way or on the LGBT spectrum type thing. And they make an advance towards you and that's why you harm them. You can use this in court. How fucked up is that? Mm Okay. So fucked up. Okay. Told you guys there's a big fucking stupid plot twist that we don't like. All right. So the defendant may agree to have found the same sex sexual advances so utterly offensive or frightening that they're provoked into reacting, which is, in a sense, acting in self-defense, because that's the only answer. That's a lot to take in. It's hard to understand. Because we are a part of that community. I just feel like. There's no way you can say that with a straight face and not think someone's like joking. Unless that sounds I'm so just kind of stupid. thinking like trying to like I want to OK, if a straight man comes up to me and makes a advance on me and I'm like, ew, he's ugly. I'm offended. And that was gross. I'm not going to want to shoot him and be like, well, I had straight panic defense, guys. Yeah, I don't agree with like the severity of it, I guess. But like, I'm trying to think like if the the most ugliest, most disgusting person came up to you and did the same things. But you were friends. You know, like I'm That's trying to think they were friends. Yeah, it's they not were some friends. Rando. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it, do, it doesn't click for me. I can't do it. No, I can't. I I can't. I don't think even if my mortal enemy came up and was like, hey, the only reason I actually hate you is because I like you here. I'm coming on to you and attempted to like kiss me or something. I still think I would just be like irritated and be like, don't fucking talk to me. This is over. Thanks. Cool. Bye. Not like, okay, I need to murder them because that's the defense mechanism in my brain. Yeah. I would actually be like, okay, I'm flattered, but I'm not interested. Yeah. Move on. I don't that that's literally proving that you're insane, I feel like, right there. Like that's not a rational, sane thought is to instantly jump to... I feel like it would be different if there Kel. were multiple situations where Scott was coming on to him. Mm-hmm. Which, but there's only, like, two. Yeah, and the note isn't that bad. He could have talked it out and or the Jenny Jones show maybe, you know, that sucks. You were humiliated on television, but you Who take isn't? it more serious <laughs> than anyone else. Like, I think... Yeah, yeah everyone was just like, oh, Okay. So, in the end, John was found guilty and convic- convicted of second-degree murder in 1996. However, his conviction was overturned on appeal due to the jury selection errors. In most cases, this means John would be free without being able to be recharged or retried, and the conviction would be erased from his official criminal record. I don't understand the law. <laughs> <laughs> However, since it was due to jury errors, he was able to be retried in 1999. At that point, he was found guilty of the same charge and the sentence was reinstated. One of the lawyers during this trial stated embarrassment is not an excuse for murder. Right. Mic drop. Yeah, you got (laughs) it. So John was convicted of second degree murder, sentenced to 25 to a maximum of 50 years with a possible parole in 20 years. The gay panic rule helped John receive a lower sentence because, you know. He was acting in self-defense, according Mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. So actually, he was released from prison on August 22nd, 2017, after being granted parole. He was the age of 47, and he only had to serve 22 years. And now he is out. I'll post a picture of what he looks like nowadays on the Instagram, because when he when he got released, he took a picture. He really kind of looks the same. He just got like a thicker face, I guess, like. His body's not much bigger or anything, but like his face, he, he, he has Like a normal aging, face. Yeah. He looks the same, though. Like, he looks the exact same. In 1999, the Amadeira family successfully sued the Jenny Jones Show and Telepictures and Warner Brothers. Dang. They sued them for the ambush tactics and wrongful death. But then the judgment was subsequently overturned by the Michigan Court of Appeals. So instead, they said that the episode was never to be broadcast. But certain segments of it were played for television news programs and the entire thing's available nowadays on YouTube. They didn't really get a win. Good job. Right. (laughs) In May of 1999, a jury agreed on awarding the Amadeira family twenty five million dollars in damages. According to a CNN story at the time, five million dollars was awarded for the Amadeira's suffering before he was succumbed before he had succumbed to his gunshot wounds. Because remember, he laid on the floor. $10 10 million was awarded for his family's loss of his comp- companionship and then another 10 million was awarded for the loss of income he could have earned over his lifetime. Wow. The verdict and award was also later overturned, people reported though, like People magazine, sorry. So. Now, there's a documentary on Netflix and my favorite portion of the documentary is when they talk about the lawyers from the 1999 case. We have to talk about this because there's some things there's something there's something here. OK. <laughs> OK. In the 1999 case, the um, lawyer that that is hired and I have said his name before on this podcast and I have said it wrong both times I've said it. It is. Joffrey Figar. Figure. Figar. <laughs> Figar. Um, mm, Figar. Yeah, that's what that's how it's spelled. Figar. Okay he is a hotshot lawyer and if you already recognize this name you're like oh god of course it's him yeah no no it's him you know exactly who this is all right in the documentary he's a fucking hoot you get to see his law office and (laughs) this man okay i want to try to describe this man to you but the only thing i can think of is if like woody harrelson and matthew mcconaughey had a child and it was like a villain oh gosh (laughs) but like a lawyer villain so right (laughs) So super full of ego (laughs) and oh, no. Oh, no. So everyone always talks about Feigar as being a showboat, a publicity hound, a press animal, everything. He originally made his name by representing Jack Kevorkian, a.k.a. Dr. Kevorkian, a.k.a. one of the Dr. Death people. He's the man that did assisted suicides and ended people's lives prematurely. He's also the one that I talk about that I know as Dr. Death during our Dr. Death episode which Kylie knows Dr. Death as Christopher Dunch. Yes. But I know Kavorkian, which is kind of funny because we both know different Dr. Deaths. We don't know them. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> no of, know of. Which is in the archives. However, Figer is also known for representing um, the family of Isaiah Shoals, who was one of the kids who was killed in the Columbine High School massacre. He's also done a lot, a lot of cases of police killing innocent people. He also covered the 2014-2015 Flint, Michigan water and disease outbreak lawsuit that was a $100 million class action lawsuit. He was also hired by the Jenkins family after Kanaka Jenkins was found dead in the hotel in 2017, available in the archives. Dang. But then if you're like, that's not enough, I need to know more. In the 411s, we talk about this. He's the lawyer hired for the Oxford high school shooting that happened earlier this year. And that actually I have a solution for what happened in that trial at the end of this episode. I literally was that this year. Yes. I thought it was last year. Uh, No, Um, it was it was at the beginning of this year, I want to say. Okay. I think it was like March ish. I'll pull it up, though. I'm so sorry. I can't remember off the top of my head. But. Yeah, guys, weirdly enough, I forgot that I was going to talk about him in this episode. And earlier today, I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about what happened in the Oxford school shooting because I have a resolution now. And I was waiting, doing a whole 411. But then I remembered then that he gets brought up and I was like, oh, my God. It's and, a whole cycle. And originally the episode after this was going to be Columbine. And then I was like, no, I have to take a break. <laughs> no, can't do I that. don't need fire right now. OK, so. Figer was a drama major originally. Now it all makes sense, right? Yep. <laughs> he loves being the center of attention, and that's why he takes on high-profile cases. Figer started the opening statements with a two-and-a-half-hour speech explaining how evil Scott is. Wow. That is a long time. It's a long time. I can't even think about talking that long. It gives me the vibes of Amber Heard's lawyers. Yes. So Figer was being very aggressive and competitive, combative, combative, combative. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that I was getting kind of the word. okay During questioning of cross-examination, he specifically was really rough about he was really rough to the producers saying things like, well, why wouldn't you specifically say if it was a man or a woman? Like if you already knew it was a man, if you knew it was a gay crush episode, like why did you not say, hey, It's going to be a guy like, hey, this is same secret sex, same sex, secret, same sex. Like, why didn't you like he's literally hammering them with Mm -hmm. it? He hammered to the point into the producers trying to show that they are technically the ones at fault here by misleading everything. Right. Because he also brought up things like, well, why would you put the headphones over him so that he couldn't hear things? Because even if he overheard something He would have known it's a guy. He would have gotten cold feet, maybe, or something like. He said they took multiple precautions to show that it was a gotcha moment. Right. The jury ended up finding that the Jenny Jones show was both irresponsible and negligent and noted that the show intentionally created an unpredictable and explosive situation without thinking through the possible consequences of that situation. In 2009, in a two to one decision, the Michigan Court of Appeals overturned the money to the Amager family. To date, so like even now, the Michigan Supreme Court has declined to hear the family's appeal on the overturned ruling. The Amager family has never received any compensations for Scott's death. Hmm. Scott Amager's older brother, Frank Amager Jr., who was featured heavily in the first episode of Trial by Media, told by the Detroit Free Press that he was troubled by the parole's decision and gave a quote. I wanted assurance that the decision was not based on just good behavior in prison. I'd like to know that he learned something, that he's a changed man, is no longer homophobic, and has gotten psychological care. Yeah. That sounds like he cares. Yeah. After the incident in 1996, Jenny Jones ended up getting her GED. Then afterwards, the show remained on the air until 2003. She constantly claimed the show's innocence and the death of Scott Amadura, saying it had nothing to do with it. And she actually blamed the media for sensationalizing the story. She even went as far as to tell People Magazine in 1999. It's not the Jenny Jones show. Sorry, I can't even say the quote correctly. Sorry. (laughs) She said, it's not the Jenny Jones murder. It's the Jonathan Schmitz murder. So that's why she's not at fault. When the show ended, Jenny Jones said she did not want to return to television anymore. So she decided to dedicate her life to philanthropy and cooking. Same. (laughs) (laughs) She has written cookbooks and autobiographies with the proceeds going towards cancer research. In 2008, she launched a program called Jenny's Heroes, which awarded grants to people pledging to use the money to improve their communities. So I mentioned earlier what happened with Jonathan Schmitz. I wanted to give a little bit more clarity to what it was. So Jonathan Schmitz was released after 22 years of being in prison. It was August of 2017. He is 47 years old. A Department of Corrections spokesman ended up telling People Magazine that Schmitz was granted parole prior to serving the minimum of his sentencing range because of good behavior credit he earned while behind bars. And like I said, Frank Amader Jr. said that he was not comfortable knowing that John's been released, but they did make a Netflix documentary about the case and they asked everyone to talk. Frank does talk in it. A bunch of other people talk in it. But Jenny Jones and Jonathan Schmitz do decline to participate in it. And interesting. Yeah. I wonder why gay panic defense fucking wild that's not the first time i've heard of that in a case too it's it's as ridiculous as the west memphis three let's be honest it's it's ridiculous it's not it's not a thing it's just not it shouldn't hold up it it genuinely shouldn't um i don't think there's any validity to what that is called oh i am very sorry guys if i was incorrect during this episode i didn't mean to be i just looked up the gay panic defense because i was going to name some other popular terms i did not know that as of 2020 it was reframed and is supposed to be called the lgbtq plus panic defense i'm sorry i that makes sense i didn't know that though um That or it is supposed to be called the Homosexual Advanced Defense. So there is a closely related legal strategy applied to the cases of assault, manslaughter or murder called the Trans Panic Defense as well. Um, The jurisdictions of it, Australia still has it available. The last case was. Twenty nineteen slash twenty twenty. New Zealand still has it, the Philippines, the United Kingdom. The United States has it in multiple states. Um I'm gonna try and read a map without titles of the states, so I'm guessing kind of on the titles. The states that have banned the gay panic defense is Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada. What's, yeah, what's Colorado? is that Utah? That's Colorado? Colorado. Okay, Colorado, Illinois, and then a lot of the East Coast. Some states that are considering banning it are Texas, New Mexico, Florida, what's that one? Is that Is that Georgia or is that Alabama? Is it right above Florida? Mm-hmm. That's Georgia. Okay, Georgia, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then two other states that are kind of near Illinois, North <laughs> Dakota and South Dakota. No, that that one might be a Dakota. That's a Dakota. And then what's that thing? What the fuck is that? Iowa? No, Iowa's over there. I think. Oh, wait, I no, don't know, is that Kansas? That's Oklahoma. I don't know I'm how to read. Almost them. positive it's Iowa. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that's Iowa because I'm flying in the Kansas City. Wait, where's Kansas City? It's not in Kansas. I know that. Okay, there's this multiple is so Kansas besides City. The point. Okay, I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> Anyways, that was in April of 2021. All the other states, it's completely legal to do it in. Um, and, oh, there was a... <laughs> right under it, it had the name of all the states, guys. <laughs> I just didn't scroll far enough. Yikes. Um. Yeah, but there is a lot of places where it's still 100 percent a valid thing that you can utilize in a pinch if you're in court, apparently. So there's there's that. It's it's not good, but we need to talk about it. As sad as that is. The sources I used for tonight, I'm really bummed. I used one last source and I forgot to write it down and it was a book. And I'm really sorry. I I forgot. But I got it from Amazon and it was like $11.99. So do with that what you will find it. Uh, I listened to the criminal podcast episode on this called Panic Defense because they just have a lot of really good resource and they uh, they use like real. um, uh, Court testimonies for a lot of their stuff, so I trust them. Trial by Media, the Netflix episode uh, show, episode one is about it. How It Really Happened, the docuseries, season six, episode nine, called The Jenny Jones Show, Fatal Attraction. There's also just a bunch of like YouTube clips of the trial and a bunch of stuff you can watch. Um, I've obviously also watched the entire episode of The Jenny Jones Show. Um, I also watched there was like a 2020. Uh, it wasn't a full episode or anything. It was kind of like an update of when he was getting out. He like just kind of like talked to the cameras. It wasn't very long. So. So, OK. That's that. I you said it for you. you. Said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I know we're done with this, but before we do our thank you and ending notes, I want to talk about the Oxford thing because I did bring up that I was going to. So I'm going to do it now before I forget. OK, so we all remember the Oxford high school shooting that uh, happened earlier. When when did it happen? I went to say it correctly so I don't lie to you guys I'm sorry okay it was 2021 you were right it was towards the end of 2021. it was November 30th 2021 when there was a mass shooting that occurred at Oxford High School in a suburb area of Detroit called Oxford Township in Michigan four students were killed seven people were injured including a teacher now we've talked about it and we have posted about it but I wanted to talk about the outcome so Ethan Crumbly was the person that did it and he is 16 years old. So the sixth, I'm reading the article right now. Okay. So, um, hmm. The 16 year old was accused of opening fire and fatally shooting four people at Oxford High School last year, as he pleads guilty to 24 charges this week. Courts records show Ethan Crumbly entered the plea Monday, October 24th on charges of first degree murder, homicide, assault with intent of murder terrorism, and weapons-related offenses. According to Detroit Free Press, Crumbly answered in the affirmative to the questions as Judge Quimrow asked him, including, is it your own choice to plead guilty? And if he understands, he will face life sentences in prison without parole. He did say yes to all of those. And then an Oakland County prosecutor reportedly asked, is it true that you intended to cause panic and fear? He answered yes as well. While in court, Crumbly reported that he gave his father money to purchase the Sig Sour. Did I pronounce it right that time? Sig Sour? So I think it's sour sour. Like, I think it's pronounced sour. I'm not. I'm not sure. It's a uh, we had to look it up last time, and I'm sorry, I forgot this time. It's the nine millimeter gun that he used in the shooting and the firearm was not locked in the gun safe. His parents bought it during Black Friday sales and allegedly told the officials that it couldn't have been that gun because it was locked away. So that is what happened. There's a lot more you can obviously find on the Internet. CNN, Click on Detroit, and uh, a lot of other things have a lot of information about it right now that are constantly updating it to have them know. One of a lot of the victims' parents were there, like Madison Baldwin, and she's she was 17 and her mother was there and she was just hysterically crying. The other people that were killed that day, I want to continue to bring them up because it's a, a horrific event and they are. They deserve the recognition was Tate Meyer, 16, Hannah St. Juliana, 14 and Justin Schilling, 17. Um, yeah, that. That's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah, that's really heavy. Uh, the families of the victims and survivors were almost all of them were in court for Crumbly's guilty plea. And a lot of them said it was tough to see him again for the first time. Uh, just because of how hard it was knowing that their kid didn't make it out and has done it. He had originally pleaded not guilty and had an insanity defense, but that got withdrawn and he pleaded guilty. So. His parents face involuntary manslaughter charges as well, but we do not have an update currently that I know of for that. So if we get more, we will tell you more. This has started a bunch of new legislations against mass shooting and about new um like lessons for active shooter drills, especially in our area, because um this we've talked about it before this happened in our neck of the woods. And so michigan indiana illinois and ohio are now doing a lot of new active drills they said because of this so oh sorry to end it on an this was a heavy episode but then it got i mean like it got really really heavy because school shootings are the hardest i think yes they're they they yeah they're hard i think i've told you guys this before but i i don't cry very often At all, ever. Um, (laughs) Ever. um, But I cried really hard one time at work in public because I was listening to a podcast and it was the Sandy Hook school shooting. And I accidentally cried in front of everyone. So school shootings, they'll do it. They're they're rough. If I ever have to cover Sandy Hook, if any of you really people hate me, you'll ask me to cover that. And the day I have to, (laughs) you'll hear me cry. (laughs) So, well... Tonight's episode is wrapped up. (laughs) You did it. Uh, I got to shake it out now. Um, Let's end on something positive before the closing notes. If you were a dog, what would you be? Do you think? (laughs) Would you you, do you think you're a golden? Is that what you're going to say? Probably a little bit, a little bit of a golden. I don't think you're derpy enough to be a golden. Thank you. I think you're a Dalmatian. You're kind (gasps) of. Like smart, but Dalmatian mean, is my but like favorite good dog. Mean. I want a Dalmatian so bad. I want a Dalmatian so bad. They're oh so my gosh. cute. But I think you're a Dalmatian. Thank you. Yeah, that's really I appreciate that. No a lot. <laughs> um, I I'm not active enough, but I really would like to think I'm a boxer because they're really smart, but they're so fucking stubborn. They're so stubborn. And then sometimes they just eat their owners out of random. And they're like, they're like the <laughs> laziest active dog ever. Like they have no in between. They're either zonked for a nap or they're like, I'm ready to run 3000 miles and have zoomies. Yeah. And I kind of think that's me. I'm the boxer. Did we ever figure out what happened with that? With the you don't... boxers? Yeah. You do, Did you not? Did we have a boxer? No. Um. I think it was two boxers that this lady owned and they just like turned on her and killed her. And Um, I don't know what you're talking about, but did you hear today about the woman in the snake? No, her child in the duffel bag or the suitcase. (laughs) No, this is not funny. She murdered her child. Oh, she murdered her child and put him in a suitcase in a Las Vegas hotel or something like that. And the husband's been searching for the kid for like three years. Or something like that. I might be taking this slightly out of context, but you guys, it's wild. Look it so up So right you now? didn't hear about the woman that was found in the snake? <laughs> no! <laughs> we have different things happening in the world. Yeah, we do. Um, no, what's yours? I don't know. We're gonna my, have a fun little ending real quick, My coworkers guys. were talking about it. Yeah. Where did that happen? Uh, not here. I don't remember. No. I don't remember. Hey, I got to talk to you about this one real quick. Okay. Just so you know, I went to go look it up. I did not know this before I knew this. No, you know what I mean. It was an Indiana state policeman who identified the body. Hmm. Team Indiana for once. I never get to say Team Indiana. Well, what I'm thinking of is that one case. With the TikTok kids in the suitcase? Yes. yes. Which I had to tell my mom about that the other day because I made a joke about She said, I should go look, look in random suitcases and hopefully find treasure. And I said, what, like body parts? And she's like, why would you say that? And I was like, it was it was a really fucked up joke, but it was a joke based on TikTok. And she's like, what kind of TikToks are you watching? I had to explain to my mom what's happening in the TikToks. (laughs) But anyways, Indiana, we're going to read another news article for you guys. okay? Indiana police identify child whose body was found in Las Vegas themed suitcase. Mother is now wanted for murder. Oh, Oh, Las Vegas themed. Yeah, sorry. I didn't read the whole article earlier. Clearly, a five year old boy was found dead inside a suitcase dumped in the Indiana woods. And he was identified on Wednesday as if isn't that today? Isn't today Wednesday? Oh, God, this was today. As officials announced the arrest for the case, they said the boy's mother is wanted for murder. The Washington County Circuit Court issued felony arrest for Don Elaine Coleman and John Laudy Anderson on charges related to the death of Caro Caro, sorry, Amar Jordan. Anderson is the boy's mother, and Indiana police said that for news for a news release, she is now a wanted suspect. This is her. Huh. very happy in this photo. Uh, ooh, Coleman, who is forty of Shreveport, Louisiana. Does that ring a bell to you, Shreveport, Louisiana? Yeah, we've talked about it in previous cases. Anyways, uh, was taken into custody on October nineteenth in San Francisco, extradited back to Indiana. Uh, Anderson, thirty-seven of Atlanta, Georgia, remains at large, and the locations is unknown of the mother. That's the Anderson one. They both face charges of neglect and. The dependent of neglect dependent on the death and obstruction of justice for their child. OK, am I going crazy? I feel like I've heard of this case already. Like I I heard that we were looking for a suitcase that was like Vegas themed or had Vegas on it. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I definitely have heard something about this. Mm, I don't know. The hardshell Las Vegas themed suitcase was found on April 16th. Oh, it was found in April, so maybe that's Maybe why. that's when I, yeah. By a mushroom hunter in the wooded area near East Holder Road. Is, was it my mother? <laughs> <laughs> it was say, in Indiana. In Washington County, Indiana. Coleman's probably, uh, probable cause affidavit said that the mushroom hunter opened the suitcase, found a pillow in a black trash bag that contained the body. Oof. The luggage was not covered. It could have been viewed from the road. It was this suitcase. That is bright. Yeah, museum. I definitely have seen that. I have 100... Yeah. 100- We have talked about this before. I swear. but yeah. Anyways, so that's what happened, guys. It's just weird. (laughs) That's a wrap. I I'm going to tell you guys one more quick fun fact. The other day, I just told you the TikTok joke. I I do not have a good sense of humor. Like I told you guys in the past, I chuckle when I'm nervous and awkward. That same day, uh, we also later went to Lowell's home improvement store. And yes, I know I don't know how to say that word correct. And I'm not going to change it for anyone in the world because I don't know how. So I was at the store and I said something to my mom. I was like, can I stay in the car? And my mom, my girlfriend and I were all together. And my mom's like, do you need me to leave the air running for you? And my girlfriend. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. My girlfriend was driving and she said, I want to turn off. We weren't, we were going to Bath and Body Works. That's what we were doing. Sorry. I know this seems all over the place, but it's because it is. She goes, I really need to turn off that new feature in my car. And we were like, well, what's the feature? And she said, it says, check your back seat that your children aren't in your backseat. Mine does that too. And it's she really goes, annoying. how stupid would you have to be to leave your child in your back seat?" And I was like, so this one time... And I started telling you about all the cases of people leaving their children Bro, in a car. I've had the exact same conversation with Corey and Colin, and <laughs> and I had to like start rattling off facts of cases where people have um, left their children in cars and they've died. So, okay, you're so, you're doing great keeping this on a on a low note. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't really know how to be positive. On that note, thank you guys to all of you that listen. Without you guys, we couldn't make this podcast possible. We hope you guys loved the Halloween episode. It was super fun to make. We have the biggest shout outs to everyone that was in it. We love all of you guys. Thank you so much. You guys mean everything to us. Huge Th- round of applause, though, for Damon Fakowski and Taylor. Oh, I haven't gotten to them. No, seriously, wait. though. So thank you to our nine podcast teams that are in it. Um, We do thank all of you guys. You guys are awesome. Damon Vakoffsi, he normally creates our theme song. You guys got to hear him live in radio. Is that a really? saying I can say? Yeah, kind of. Live in radio. And you guys got to hear Damon's amazing voice. <laughs> Damon doesn't talk like that. No, normally. he doesn't sound like that at all, but it's fine. <laughs> we we love Damon. That was so much fun getting to create that with him. It was awesome. He did everything we needed and more. Also, we have the biggest thanks to give Taylor. Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. This man, he did all that shit. That cool ass episode, all those crazy noises, all of those cuts, splices, every single thing. This man took days preparing that killer episode for y'all. It was so good. So good. So good. It's so cool. Maybe you guys don't think it's so cool, but we think it's the coolest yeah. thing ever. So if you guys like it, let us know. Well, because like normally we'll be like, OK, we have this idea. And we don't really know how to explain it, but we explain it really badly. And then they come back with gold. They come back. Well, sometimes sometimes they come back with really random things that we didn't Demon ask for at comes all. comes back with straw 14 times and then the 15th time it's gold. But Taylor, gold. round one was gold. Gold. <laughs> we need. Taylor to teach Damon something. (laughs) I don't know what, but teach him it. Right. Damon just likes to chat longer with us, we've decided. And so that's why he messes up the first few times. Duh. We also can't forget about Corey because he still was editing all of the other stuff while we were doing the other stuff. And that obviously was a bonus episode. So we still had all of our normal episodes rolling out. So we had Corey on top of that, editing all of our normal episodes and... All of those awesome photo shoots we've lately been posting, doing things, the ghosties, the spooky purge things, just our normal, our headshots, our old photos that we've done, all of it. That's all with Corey with core.media.photography on Instagram. He's killer. Killing it. Killing it. We also have had some commissions posted lately that we have started posting. We had Amanda's and Abby's. We are tagging them in everything we post just so that since we're posting two different ones, we don't want you guys to get mistaken for who's who. In case you want to get a commission, because the shits be cool. Yeah, and they're we awesome. we we did go back and forth a lot, but they listened to everything that we had to say, and we had the smallest. It little, was amazing. Oh, our hair's a little too bright, too dark, and they were so nice about it. They fixed every single thing. They made it everything we hoped for, and they're so talented. So talented. We have so many talented people around us. Why can't I be talented? And all we do is read badly from a script. Right? Well, I do. You just
1: make jokes.
0: And I created a script. (laughs) It's just not for me. (laughs) So thank you guys for everything you do. All of you are amazing. And all of you listeners are amazing, too. We appreciate all of you. Don't forget to follow the Instagram, which is at Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Also follow the Facebook. We're now on Facebook. You can find it at cryptic soup pod. I think it's facebook.com slash cryptic Cryptic soup pod. pod. Yep. So go ahead and follow that as well. Apple podcast reviews and ratings always give you a shout out. And they're just awesome because they help us get our name out there. Wait, what did I just say? Apple podcast reviews, Yes. And Spotify ratings. Whoo! sorry. You said reviews and ratings. You didn't say Spotify yet. That's why I lost my train of thought, (laughs) which I have some reviews to read. That's why I lost my train of thought was because I just I I botched it. So I'm going to read these reviews real quick because we did get a few in. I hope you guys also know that reviews take a while to post. So these reviews just posted today. They're from October 18th, 19th. And this one is from this week, actually. But the one from the 18th just posted yesterday. So. It takes almost like 10 days. Yeah. So sometimes if you think I'm skipping you over, I'm, I'm not. I promise. I'll, I'll I'll give you a shout out. So I have three real quick to read. It says the title. Have I found another go to type pod? Dot, dot, dot. The answer? Yes, I have. I have a few podcasts that I call my go to's the ones that I go to and I re-listen to the episodes or I know I'm always going to enjoy ir- irregardless of what the case is being covered. In other words, it's this one. This one's a gem. No, that is from. It's cute. Oh, <laughs> I was like, "What? You're not even looking at it." I read it right. That is from Kay Hansen, 1986. So thank you, yes. Kay Hansen. Thank you. Our next one. Oh my God, this username. I love you. <laughs> okay, um, binge worthy and an absolutely a must. I am loving this pod. It covers all things I need to hear about from cryptids to true crimes. And the gals have a funny banter. Love it, gals. Keep it coming. The the username, though, uh-huh. Midwest Momster. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. That's 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 clever. Our last one is called Obsessed, and it says, I freaking love Kylie and Thena. Nope. Thena and Kylie. Sorry. They're my can you tell who I normally say first? <laughs> They're my friends over headphones. The research is impeccable and they have the best time explaining and giving you the info. Do yourself a favor and listen. That is from Katie Bowden. 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 Yep. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I tried, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up your name, but I, I said it, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, we still love you. So thank you guys so much. Remember always that it means the world to us and it helps get our name out there. So remember to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. And remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned. Well, she's sorry to you, Corey, not me. Do you wear wigs? No, I do not. Have you worn wigs? No, I have not. Carol, Carol. Maybe are going downstairs to pee? He's on steroids. <laughs> I know. A little Peabody body with a shaved butt. <laughs> Is it Orion? Because that's isn't that same spelling as Orion's belt? I'm almost. Well, yes. Okay, so. But I don't think it's Lake Orion. I think.